1: everybody. It's a loaded episode. Jimmy Conrad with Europa League betting. We have my interview with PSV and USMNT star Richie Ledesma. We have some quotes from Nicolas Giacchini as well as our own Jonathan Johnson. Talk to him. We have also Cesar Hernandez to discuss Liga MX Apertura Finals. I told you it was a busy episode and it all begins right now. Hey, everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso. It's a loaded show, so much to offer you. But we begin saying hello to my brother, Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy C, how are you, bud?
0: I'm good, I'm good, good to hear your voice, Luis, and to see your face as well.
1: Always the same to you, my friend. Uh, as mentioned, everybody, we have a lot, a lot to give you today a Richie Ledesma interview. Uh, also, we have some, uh, some sound, some, uh, some audio from uh, Nicholas Gioacchini. Uh, courtesy of uh, Jonathan Johnson, our very own JJ, who chatted to him. But we begin with the Europa League. And JJ uh, will talk to us a little bit later with Joachini. But we have Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, give us some easy money, some tips. It's a lot of games, but... Oh, my. Yeah, right?
0: I feel like the Europa League is a participation trophy. Just everybody gets to play in it. You know, there's so many teams and there's so much to dissect. (laughs) I do want to start, though, with Arsenal. Even though they've won their group, and fun fact for you guys, they have more points in five Europa League games this season than they do in 11 Premier League uh, games. They have 15 in Europa League and 13 in the Premier League. It's really a tale of two teams, you know. Obviously, their group, we could argue, is is pretty manageable with with Dundalk and, and Molda, amongst others. And they're playing Dundalk today, who are just happy to be in the Europa League group stages. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be tough, I think. To, to really gain anything from this Arsenal thing. But I do want to bring up Fulleren Balligan. He okay. is a tremendous young player for Arsenal. And what I love about him the most, and I'm speaking very, very, very American here, is that he was born in New York City, so he could play for our national team. He is, I'm, I'm hyped on a lot of our younger players, but I love when they somehow... We're born in the States, and now start to emerge as a powerful force in the near future. So I really want everybody to keep their eye on him. Um, I think he's a, he's, he's a good player, and uh, he's dynamic. And he's, got a, he's got good movement and good understanding for being such a young player. So just keep your eye on him, and hopefully he'll get some minutes, along with Emil Smith-Rowe, another young player. I think there's going to be a lot of young players. They've already won this group. However, Nicola Pepe, who I don't know if you guys – I don't know what website you guys go get your information, but who scored is a pretty reputable one. He's the highest rated player, Nicola Pepe, in the Europa League this season, according to that website. And he has been tremendous. He's going to be suspended domestically for his, his red card that he got. So he's still out. I think he'll get minutes here. I think he'll score. So if you want him to score any time, I thought plus 125 was really good value for the highest rated player in the Europa League so far this season. But if you want him to score first, if you want to take it that one extra step, plus 450 for Nicola Pepe to score first. I don't know if he will or won't, but that's some pretty good value. But I think scoring anytime, he has a very good chance to make that happen. He's been tremendous in this competition. Arsenal, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen for them. Obviously, when we have the draw next week, it'll be interesting to see who they pull. They're just going to be thankful it's not Bayern Munich. You know what I'm talking about, Luis? You know what I'm talking about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think they're going to be very thankful. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, like, I'm glad that you begin with Arsenal. I just feel like... Regardless whether they've won the group and whatever, they just need a win. They need a confidence builder here. It does, I, even if it's the kids playing, Mikel Arteta needs a confidence builder. Like he was grilled after obviously losing in the North London Derby. And regardless who's out there, they just got to get these three points just to make the club feel good again, don't you think? Well, that's
0: what they did last week. You know, they were coming off a tough results where I think they ended up losing to Leeds, you know, didn't play particularly well. Then they had Rapid Vienna midweek at the Emirates and they slapped them around. Lacazette's banging in goals from 30 yards out wearing the captain's armband. Everybody's like, all right, look at these guys. They're cruising. And then they played Spurs and reality set set back in. So yes, they could play Dundalk. They're definitely going to get the win. They're going to get that confidence. They're going to get their younger players some valuable minutes. Is that enough to, to right the ship? I don't know there's already i don't know if you've seen the articles or i don't know it's social media who knows what you're seeing and, and some of the the publications that are putting this out or circulating it aren't maybe the most esteemed but they are saying that Arsene wenger has been contacted by the arsenal higher-ups to i don't know what come back could you imagine Arsene wenger coming back to be God, the hero
1: that would be he incredible to
0: to the savior like the savior <laughs> Arsene wenger would come back and be the savior i mean that would be that would just be 2020 in a nutshell i think so yeah, Arsenal's got a lot of a lot more uh, questions than I think answers at the moment. So this game, I don't think is going to answer too many of them other than to show us the potential of Arsenal moving forward. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough time, I think, to be a supporter of that club.
1: You mentioned that American player. What was his name again? Uh, it's
0: it's Fuller in Balogun.
1: And he hasn't... Uh confirmed whether he wants to play for the year or like that does he want to play does it have question. Had any i'm wondering because hey born in NYC, uh, you know that's my hometown baby that's let, let's go let's do it but yeah i don't think he's ever speak, i don't think he's played is. for
0: us i don't think he's played for us in any
1: in any capacity he's never played well
0: no I, i'm gonna look to see if he's played for yeah oh no he played he had a looks like he has a short stint with our u18s okay but then he then he went back and played for the england u20s
1: OK, so he's one of those back and forth. You never know what could happen. Um, we
0: definitely got him into a camp, that's for sure. And he just he did score his first goal against Molda uh, on match day four in this competition. I remember him scoring, but he hasn't he hasn't been with us for for a couple years, maybe. And I think we're seeing this, too, with Yunus Musa, who plays for Valencia, who tremendous young player, too, who has options to play for England, amongst others. Like there's something seven. about our there's something about our team though we got a vibe about us you know we got weston mckinney as you can see behind me i put on my side as my new favorite player because that goal he scored against juventus Ooh. i don't think it's getting the love that it deserves i mean from the people that that know we're we're we're, we're lavishing it with praise but there, everybody should know about this this is a i mean this is such an important goal to like cristiano ronaldo scored two penalties our guy banged in a scissor kick, you know, against Barcelona in a big ass game. I mean, that that matters. And the fact that we're supposed, poster. Eh, they were kind of like, "Eh, you it's know, a like what's
1: put it on the wall that one that goal." Dude,
0: like what's that should be every every American should know how significant that type of goal is for such a big club. And that was there's there's less hype I'd say surrounding Weston McKinney because he's not wearing the number 10 shirt for Chelsea. He's not playing in the Premier League. He didn't come in very heralded. He came from Schalke, right, who are not very good at the current moment and he was pretty cheap and they're like oh let's just take a flyer on him and see if he works out the good the dude's working out and he can hold his own and i love it so i just don't i just wish that that was getting some more love and i'm just going to keep it going i'm going to keep banging that drum cuz weston mckinney is is a player and I think he's going to be a tremendous player for our national team moving forward as well.
1: Well, let's stay on that segue. So see, see how I did this, how I maneuvered I I for love you it. to say I that. Because it. right now we have Nicholas Jerkini who's part of this group, part of this movement, um, who had one of the best, uh, he did say actually, one of the best moments of his career when he entered that camp uh, last month. And he talked to our very own Jonathan Johnson on um, everything, including the United States men's national team. Check it out. Listen right here.
2: I even think the next world cup can be a, a huge, a huge, um, we can surprise the world. Honestly. Um, I, I complete, after seeing the team this past, this past camp for the first time, you know, the first time all these boys are are, are together and, uh, the way we still managed to, to, to come out with the, with the results and, and, and play good, good ball was extremely impressive to me. Um, I think even before 2026, but let's say I I do agree with Rich with um Richard Ledesma because 2026 is a year to win the World Cup for sure. The next one, you know, we're still new, but uh, 2026 for sure in, in the US will, will be a great one.
1: That was Nicholas Giacchini. Uh, what a great guy. Uh, a lot to say. Uh, and we also have Richie Ledesma as well. I talked to him. Uh, he'll be part of this episode right after Jimmy. Uh, but let's keep going with Europa League, Jimmy. Uh, anything else? Like we've talked to Arsenal. We know what Arsenal uh, is all about right now. Uh, who? What else you got uh, as we look ahead to this very busy uh, Europa League match day six?
0: There's so many great games. And obviously on match day six, there's a lot of fun narratives about who's going to get to the knockout rounds and who's not. But I want to stick on uh, Group C here, uh, Bayer Leverkusen uh, versus uh, Slavia Prague, because they're both on top of the table. Leverkusen just needs to draw to, to be the number one seed, which is what I think if you're in there and you have a chance to get the number one spot in your group in the Europa League, you want that so you can avoid any Champions League teams that are dropping out because they got third in their group, and that's very important to do so. What I love about Leverkusen, though, is that they are so much fun to watch. If you guys haven't watched, if you're looking for a new hipster team to follow, Bayer Leverkusen is it. I think Atalanta was last season. This season, it's Bayer Leverkusen. They have so many talented players. that can hurt you in so many different ways. And even though they lost Kai Havertz to Chelsea... They just got some players, dude. I mean, Demir buys kind of their number 10. He's running the point. You got Amiri, who I really like, who's really emerging as, as a threat. You got Leon Bailey up top. I mean, I'm going to be missing a whole bunch of guys. They got so They got Florian Verts, one of the best young players in Germany. They got the Bender brothers, uh, Schwen and Lars. I mean, if you had a team with Sven and Lars on it, I'm pretty much sure you're winning at life. It's like but the
1: Mighty Ducks soccer version, right?
0: <laughs> it really is. They've only lost once all season. They've yet to lose in the Bundesliga. I don't know if they're going to compete for the league, but they're very tough to break down. Uh, Jonathan Tah is one of their de- the top defenders as well. Uh, it was to, It was to Slavia Prague who they're playing in this one. But they were down a man for 60 minutes, and they only lost 1-0. For me, uh, since that loss, Leverkusen have gone on an eight-game unbeaten run. Uh, Slavia Prague are also a very good team as well. I wouldn't, If I was a team in the Europa League or falling out of the Champions League, I wouldn't want to face either one of these two. I think they, they know who they are. They've got their identity. I like both teams to score in this, and I'd like Leverkusen to win plus 180. That's, that's the line that I'm going with. Maybe I should have just started there. And then uh, Nadiem Amiri, I think, to score any time, plus 275. He's in and around the box. He plays up high. He's got three assists in his last two games. He's, I thought he was man of the match in his last two games as well. There's something about him right now. He hasn't hit the back back of the net in a while. So I think you're getting some good value here. Plus 275 for anybody to score an attacking player in Leverkusen's uh, setup is very, very good. Um, So so that would be kind of the two things that I would look out for. But if you just want to kind of bet overall, I think both teams to score... Or Leverkusen to win plus 180 is very good.
1: Yeah, I love Bayer Leverkusen.
0: Dude, so good.
1: At one point behind Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. They haven't lost a game yet. Like, and they they have a real system too in the way that they scout players and they figure out a strategy. They're a they're a team to watch. I mean, we haven't talked enough about them actually on Lasso One point behind Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga.
0: I know, I know. They're quietly doing their business. I mean, honestly, the Bundesliga teams are overall in the Euro- European competitions, we saw it with RB Leipzig taking out Manchester United as well. They were the only one that wasn't on top of their group. Everybody else, you know, all the other Bundesliga teams are leading their groups. So there's six Bundesliga teams that are all dominating. So fair play to them.
1: And when the only reason RB Leipzig are doing it is only by head to head it's not a point thing so like right, you know, right pretty impressive yeah It
0: is very impressive Any All more right, from Europa okay, League Of course of course let's go back to the Premier League we got Tottenham taking on Royal Antwerp both of these teams are on top of the table in their group uh Royal Antwerp actually has 12 points to Tottenham's 10 so Tottenham needs to win this at home to get that number 1 seed and as I, I already mentioned that number 1 seed is very important Tottenham doesn't want to have I don't know, maybe an Inter Milan or Real Madrid fall out and be the number two seed, and all of a sudden they've got this big, giant matchup. Um, Yeah, it's just like, that's crazy. So... So I think they're going to go out and do the business. You know, they're, they're balancing a few things uh, in their on their schedule. They have Crystal Palace on the weekend. Crystal Palace is coming off a big 4-1 win. I mean, Christian Benteke scored two goals for Crystal Palace. So you know they're feeling it. Benteke's hitting the back of the net. I think it was
1: 5-1,
0: right? Wasn't it? Well, yeah, 4-5-1 against West Brom. So maybe take that with a grain of salt. Uh, Zaha scored two. When those two guys are confident, Benteke and Zaha, Crystal Palace is definitely tough. Yeah, it was so it's going to be a tough game. It's it's uh, it's at Crystal Palace's stadium. And then Liverpool the following week. And then Leicester after that. So it's another like This whole like three-week stretch, four-week stretch for Tottenham has been uh, going to be pretty tough. I expect a lot of their, their, even though they're down and they need to win this game, I still think they're not going to roll out their full team. I'd be surprised if he did have Harry Kane. Maybe they start Hingman son, maybe play 45 minutes. But I really like Carlos Vinicius to come in here. He's healthy again. Uh, the number nine, that's really been a, a terrific replacement when Harry Kane can't play or when they want to rest him. I like him to to score. I like Tottenham to win 2-0, 2-1, or 3-1. Has to be one of those exact scores, Plus four fifty. Vinicius, for me, is going to get in and around the box. Uh, He's very good at hold-up play, which allows him to actually combine with some of the players that are around him. Lucas Mora has been very good in this competition as well. Still waiting for Gareth Bale to really kind of be the Gareth Bale that we know and love. I don't know if he'll ever get there, but uh, maybe that's past him now. Maybe just life has passed him in, in that regard. I think he's still there. He's got some qualities, but he's not like as... Is purposeful, I think. I don't know. I feel like he's thinking about, you know, how many holes of golf he can hit me later. I don't know. He, I hope he proves me wrong. But but well, I like that a, one. There's
1: a time to, like, sort of incorporate Gareth Bell. I would imagine is the Christmas time, right? Like, you know, there's so yeah. many games coming at you. Yeah, at least even, like, 15 minutes, 20 minutes in a game. It, it would be pretty interesting to me if Mourinho doesn't use him anymore uh, in this month.
0: Yeah. No, no, you're right. I think he'll end up playing or maybe even starting in this one. But the Carlos Vinicius one felt the best for me. I think he will start. And then for him to score in Tottenham to, to get a result, uh, 2-0, 2-1-3. There's been a lot of goals in, in Tottenham's games. And it's very un-Mourinho-like in some ways. I expect them to go out there and do the business. Plus, Royal Antwerp beat them earlier. So they're going to want a little bit of revenge uh, in this one and, and get that top spot in the group.
1: Yeah, and last week they were set for a win and then they gave away a very late goal. Uh, you know, so I'm sure they might want to rectify that as they knew sure. their pursuit uh, in the Europa League and, of course, the Premier League. So many games, Jimmy. Is there anything there's else?
0: One, there's like one or two more that I want to talk to you about because I want to get your, your opinion. And I would love to, if the listeners want to hit us up, you know, on, on Twitter or whatever it may be. Napoli is playing Real Sociedad in Italy. Okay, Ooh. so Group F is is popping off. You got Napoli on top with 10 points. Real Sociedad has eight. Azad Alkmar has eight. And Raika has one. Now, Alkmar has to go to play Raika. It's not going to be an easy game. Uh, they, they drew with Real Sociedad 2-2 last week. So, so they've got a little something to them. And I think Real Sociedad is going to be kicking themselves. They didn't get the full three points against the worst team in the group. But now here they go. They got to get a result in Napoli. Or at least they have to match Azed Alkmaar's results against Raika for them to, to advance. Which is crazy because Sociedad, for me, I thought were pretty in control. They're, yeah. also, com- they're also competing for La Liga, right? They're, they're just yeah. right behind Atletico Madrid at the top of the table. So what do you do if you're the manager? Because I think we can make a strong argument. Obviously, the prestige of of staying in the European competition is important. But at the same time, you actually might have a, especially with Barcelona Real Madrid dropping off this season a bit, you might have a legitimate chance to compete for La Liga. What do you do? I don't think Real Sociedad can be successful in both. So what do you do? And and, because you're going to have a drop off in one or the other. I almost feel like the coach. Yeah, I mean, that would be great to move on in the Europa League. But I don't think he'd be that sad because then they could put all their eggs in the La Liga basket. I don't know. What, what would you do, Luis?
1: I think it's a very good point. And it all depends. I mean, the thing is, whenever this question arises, I always think about who's managing these sites. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm feeling that Gennaro So, you know, such a big game. And I feel that he understands that Napoli in many ways, especially because of the Maradona situation and when he passed away. It's right. just like a lot of emotion and motivation is probably driven by the fact that Gattuso is probably going to want to, no matter what, it's, I think he wants, what I'm trying to say is this, he's trying to make a statement. And I think that when you face a team like uh, Real Sociedad, I think regardless of what's coming up or whatever, you just want to make sure that you take care of business. And this is at home, right? This is the first game since, uh, at least in Europa League, since they announced that the stadium is now called Diego Maradona stadium. Right. So that's, right. that's another perspective. I know that Victor Roseman is coming back after a shoulder injury uh, you know, Dries Mertens uh, as well is set to take uh, uh, probably a, a starting role here. And from the other side, I think David Silva and um, a few others are, are recuperating from injury. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle this. And also, by the way, uh, Real Sociedad is doing pretty well in La Liga. So yeah,
0: they're doing great. So it's just. They don't, I don't, for me, they don't have the depth to compete in both competitions. So I feel like they're right. going to have to make, make a choice. Good With point. regard to Napoli, they're one of my favorites. They won the Coppa Italia last season. I'm like, what, if they can get out of their group and get into the knockout rounds, you don't want to face Napoli. I think they have so much talent, and I think they have that experience, and I think Gattuso can get them up for the cup competitions. He proved it last season. Uh, surprisingly, in my opinion, winning that the Coppa Italia so, so I think they'll do the business at the least, get the draw. What I find interesting about this group in particular is that all the, the teams I mentioned, Napoli, Real Sociedad, and Azad Alkmaar, all have only given up three goals. Yeah, this, I'm this seeing morning. that right now too. Yeah, What's crazy. So I'm looking right now to see what the under is for you guys. It was, this was, I was trying to stay away from this one. If you guys have a, a, a nice vibe about it, I'll give you those lines in a second. But, but the under is minus 110. So you got to bet 110 to win 100. Okay. Or that's under two and a half goals too. I don't see the over here. I'd be really surprised if it hit over ninety minutes. So if you like Napoli to win, it's minus one hundred five. Real Sociedad straight up is plus two seventy to win, and then if you want the draw, plus two sixty. I could see a one one here too. I'm actually better. going for that draw.
1: I'm going for that draw. I think. I don't.
0: I don't. Don't know if that. I don't know if that's going to be enough for Sociedad. I expect Azed to beat Raika. And uh, they would they would deserve it. I thought A- Azed has been fantastic against two high quality teams in Sociedad and Napoli to only give up three goals. Uh, you're through five matches and, and now you're playing the worst. It's un, it's unreal. So I kind of I wouldn't be sad to see Azed go through, but but uh, Real Sociedad will be kicking themselves for not getting more points earlier on in the, in the match day. Yeah, what I'm saying
1: that, is Real yeah. Sociedad leading one nothing the entire game and then Napoli scoring like the last five minutes.
0: You can see it. I can see it. <laughs>
1: Well, you had one more,
0: right? Yeah, I did. It was, I wanted to talk about uh, AC Milan in particular. Their of group, course. you know, is, is being dominated by Lille. Lille has been very good. Another team, very similar to Bayer Leverkusen, only dropped one game all season. It was to Brest in the league. And uh, I think their most impressive performance so far was their 3-0 win in Milan, where Milan hadn't lost all season and they got slapped around by, I mean, Lille just had their number that, that day and yeah now you have uh i'm just trying to find the table here
1: Sparta prague is coming yeah yeah.
0: so you got leal on top of 11 milan with 10 sparta prague with with six and celtic the one and only mighty celtic not so once and mighty at the moment they got one point they're struggling at the bit but uh leal travels to scotland to play celtic they should take care of them there celtic obviously have a plethora of problems uh milan i think are hosting prague if i'm not mistaken uh, and uh no they're headed I'm to this actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's going to be a tough one, I think. I like Sparta Prague a lot. I feel like they're going to be feeling pretty hard done by, that they're not maybe competing for the top two spots. But for me, again, that top getting that top spot is really important coming out of the group stages. Milan's going to be thinking that too.
1: It Old is the rotating squad, though. It uh, is. Donnarumma's not there. Romagnoni is not there. Obviously, Ibrahimovic uh, not there. But Rebic is. Uh, Colombo... Oh,
0: You got Haga, who was fantastic in the last game against Celtic, you know, picking up the ball out wide, making stuff happen. I want to see more of him. I want to see more of Brahim Diaz. Uh, You know, Ravich has been very good up top as well. Yes, it's going to be probably a mixed team, but but, uh, they have some players that I think Milan – almost similar to the us men's national team like all right we got some young players we can get excited about like are gonna be legit and they continue to prove it it's not like just this one game they do well they're consistently doing well game after game after game so i want to see more of these guys uh, haga in particular i think has been good and you know who's in this squad jimmy
1: who's that paolo maldini's son no way daniel what, Maldini. What position does he play i think maldini. he's a striker
0: wow imagine maldini a, a, him and his dad both being like lockdown defenders and then producing a striker. That's amazing. I know.
1: Right. But I do believe that's who it is. Yeah. Daniel Maldini is, uh, part of this squad. I believe, uh, and that would be
0: incredible. It would be, how old is he?
1: Um, he is 19 years old. Just turned 19. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Incredible.
0: so, yeah, one other thing. I've oh, got Roma. They're, they're going to be cruising. Um, you know, they're going to do well. Or maybe Rangers. Christian. No,
1: it's not Christian Maldini. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, Christian. No, Christian Maldini is a defender, so it has to be Daniel Maldini. Yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, no. Last group, I would say, is Rangers. Uh, group D. Rangers, Benfica, Lech Poznan, Standard Liege. Uh, Rangers are on top of 11. Uh, Benfica has 11. Uh, Lech Poznan, my former club. I went on loan there many, many moons ago. They have three. Standard Liege have three. So those two are out. But, um uh, yeah, Rangers and Benfica, again, both been pretty impressive. They really like to give up goals to each other, but Rangers have been pretty stout defensively against everybody else. I like Rangers this season under Steven Gerrard. He's, they're going to probably win the Scottish Premiership, and uh, they're going to probably have a nice little run here in the Europa League. These are two teams, too, that I would not want to face in the knockout rounds. Rangers and Benfica both look great, and as long as they don't play each other, I think everything's going to be great because they uh, they always just have, like, these 3-3 shoot-em-out you know, games, goals on goals on goals, and defense doesn't even matter, so... Uh, yeah, that, that just keeping an eye on group D and, and really looking forward to seeing who gets the top spot and then how that impacts the knockout rounds and the draw, uh, next week.
1: Yeah, I agree. I see, I see Rangers going very far
0: here. Uh, very,
1: very good game. Listen, Jimmy, I love it. Look how much info you get yesterday.
0: It's great. It's fun. It's fun. I love it. And I think this is a great competition. So I'm excited to see how it all plays out.
1: That was Jimmy Conrad with Europa League betting tips. Jimmy will be back as well to uh, recap, if you haven't heard it yet, of course, to recap Wednesday's Champions League action. And also we have an MLS Cup special, weekend preview, and then next week, Champions League draw, Europa League draw, holiday content. Jimmy doesn't stop, baby. Or neither do you. Yeah, we the love man myth it. and
0: legend everybody luis is, is running point if you're ever going to send a thank you note to anybody for how great this pod is it's because of luis
1: nah 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 this is teamwork baby but me and you are like miami vice just together get <laughs> <Make> it happen
0: <laughs> awesome
1: jimmy c thank you so much brother
0: all right talk to you soon
1: all right guys stay right here because my interview with richie ledesma uh begins right after this worker of yours Joining us now on Kegolazo and CBS Sports Digital is Richie Ledesma, the 20-year-old international who plays for PSV Eindhoven. After beating Granada in the Europa League last week, Ledesma and PSV look to top their group against AC Ammonia. Born in Arizona to Mexican parents, Ledesma's story is impressive where he started his youth career with Real Salt Lake, then playing with the club's USL team, Real monarchs, and in 2018 he signed with PSV. And after making a great impression for them and the US under 20s at the World Cup, he finally caught the attention of Greg Berhalter and the senior side. It is kind of unbelievable and great to see the trajectory of Ledesma, who just turned 20, by the way. Richie, great to have you on the show. Welcome to Que Olazo, hermano. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. Surviving with
2: the whole Corona, so that's as, a positive thing.
1: <laughs> absolutely, as we all are surviving. Uh, Richie, first off, uh, congrats on everything that's been going on with your career. It's really been amazing. Uh, talk to me about your experiences in Europe so far. You've been there now for a good two years now. How do you like it? How do you feel playing for one of the most important clubs in the Netherlands?
2: Nah, like it's an unreal experience. I I never thought that I'd come so far in such little time and, you know, it, it pays off like hard work and it motivates me to become better every day. And yeah, like, like I said, it's hard work from the beginning. So once I signed that contract with PSV, obviously I was coming off a injury. So it's not easy breaking into Van U19's team and then Young and then first team out of nowhere. But yeah, like I like I said, I I did it, so I'm I'm here with the first team now, like training every day with them on the squad on the roster. So it's crazy to see that my dream happening so quick.
1: It's unbelievable, and it's not out of nowhere, my friend. It's it's <laughs> hard work. It's hard right, work. Yeah. Richie, this is the club of I mean, you're young man, but this is the club of Ruud Hullet, Ronald Koeman, Ruud van Nistelrooy. Arian Robin, Georgina Wijnaldum, and two of my favorite players ever, Romario and Ronaldo. How does it feel when you hear you're part of this historic franchise?
2: Hey, you forgot about Demarcus Beasley, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I'ma
1: tell him. I'ma tell him. <laughs> no, but you know obviously, I'm not, I'm not American. I'm Peruvian, so I can. I'm allowed to escape Demarcus. No, <laughs> absolutely, Demarcus Beasley, of course. How does it feel? Nah, no, it feels great. Like
2: yeah, those big uh. Talents or their youth, so that's like kind of me right now. I'm the youth, and yeah, like it motivates me, like it inspires me, and I just see every day Ronaldo, all these players that came from the youth, and I'm just like, wow, like this is really happening for me. And th- what if I become this world-class player, like when I'm my in my prime, 24, 25, you know? So it, it does give me a lot of motivation, and yeah, it's it's nice to see. It. It's I'm not the only young one. Coming from the academy side, there's Moe Mo Hatarian and Noni Mareweke and they're all young, so it's nice to see us being a young team and like being like those guys that were big names, so.
1: Yeah, I hear a lot about the Dutch system, not just PSV, but Ajax as well, of course, so many other clubs, just the way that they do things from the academy perspective and how they nurture players. I take it that you agree, right? It's just a tremendous uh, just upswing when it comes to comparing to anywhere else in the world, just the way that they treat young players and how they uh, mold them into professionals.
2: Right, it's a, yeah, It's unbelievable. Like. I would have not chose any other path to become where I'm where I'm at right now like to me this is a great development and they've helped me so much through a lot of stuff even like problems that I had at home or problems that you know personal problems like eating wise and you know becoming fit and like stronger and the football wise I was there the whole time so obviously I just needed to work on the outside things and and to become this player I am today. So I thank him a lot, and, yeah, PSV is a great club. Not only PSV, Ajax, I I can go on, uh, but I think it's a good good development, so we'll see where it takes me.
1: How's your Dutch going?
2: Uh, I I understand a lot of things, but uh, I cannot speak it yet.
1: But in español, well, they speak Spanish over there, too, maybe. Claro, maybe. aquí está mi Guti. Ay, claro, tu iguti, Que bueno, wea. <laughs> That's great. Listen, I remember your dad saying, because you talked about, you know, you're so happy you made this decision. Barcelona were scouting you. But in <laughs> the end, you guys really chose PSV. You thought it was better for your development. Right, correct. Right. Is it, was it just an easy call like that? Listen, I know that one of the biggest clubs in the world wants me, but when I think about my own, it's really... I like to hear that because it really makes me think that you and your family and your close ones, your agents are really thinking very hard about the type of career that you want.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, it was obviously the, the wise choice. Like I had no instinct. Like I just knew PSV, PSV in my mind the whole time. So I chose PSV and I think it's, it's, it's going to be good. So
1: Absolutely. It already is good, my friend. So, listen, one last game in the group stage. You're already in the knockout stages in Europa. Is there any team in particular you'd like to face uh, when you look at this tournament? Because it's a lot of teams. Yeah. Real Madrid. (laughs) You want them to come down to Europa so you get to face them. (laughs) Yep.
2: (laughs) To 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 me, one of my favorite
1: players. So yeah. Who's that? Luka Madrid. Oh, Luka Modric? Yeah. That's funny. We were just talking to Brendan Aronson, right? The yeah. other young who's heading to RB Salzburg. He also said Luka Modric. Uh, and I, I can see that in your yeah. game, Luka, just the assist. Uh, listen, let's talk about um, your uh, senior debut last month against Panama. You set up two goals for Sebastián Soto, uh, something you know very well to do, actually, the same thing that you did from the under-20s. Uh, how did it feel to come on uh, and perform in that game?
2: No, it felt amazing. Like Me and Seb actually talked before the game, like what our, what our game plan was going to be, you know, to to for him to shine and for me to shine also. So, yeah, he just told me, like, bro, like once you get the ball, just look at me and I look at you and just cross it, like when you have a chance, just play me the ball. And I said, okay. So, uh, yeah, once I got, got the ball outside, I just crossed it. Like the first one, okay, I put it right to his head. But the second one? He he found it on his own, like I don't know, but it's an amazing feeling, man. Like like I said, I, I only got twenty five minutes, but twenty five minutes, obviously, that's all I that's how we needed. So I think Seb got a little less time. So scoring two goals is not easy for for coming on, you know, as a sub. So yeah, it was a great feeling. I mean, me and Seb has been doing it since we were young with ourselves since the academy. So it's it's unreal. Like my whole family was, yeah it wasn't normal like it was obviously a dream come true and yeah like my mom my mom was emotional my dad so it was a good feeling so i was happy
1: yeah listen i was going to ask you this a little later but i'm going to say it right now you know something very close to my heart richie is talking about latinos and hispanic kids representing the u.s it's something that's very important to me uh, and i'm seeing that more and more and i remember tweeting how excited I was when you set up Soto, Uh, you know, uh, it, it was really important. I think, how important do you think that more Latinos and Hispanic kids represent the United States men's national
2: team? I honestly think it's a dream for them. And I mean it because our parents didn't go through something easy and, you know, seeing their own son and, you know, their own family, like being successful. It's 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 an amazing feeling and anyone can do it. I'm not the only one that can do it, and Seb is not the only one that can do it. Alex Mendez, Ulianes, and all those players. But I mean, we all come from playing Sunday league, man, Sunday league football in the Mexican league, whatever, and That's we're right. we're here now, and it's crazy to say that. Yeah, I'm grateful for being a Latino American. So, and yeah, I thank my dad and my mom for pushing me. And my family means everything to me. Family before anything, like like everyone says. So,
1: yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and listen, that's something, something that I've said for so long now. You need a few things uh, to really make it uh, as a pro. You know, obviously, take care of yourself, work hard, but also playing that Sunday, uh, Sunday in league. You're going to learn tough tackles there and things that will never get cold in the professional game. That makes you a man, huh?
2: Right. I played Sunday League my first time with my dad at 16 men's and he told me it's going to be hard. So you're going to take hits. And and that's one of the things I learned. Like I need to be more aggressive and not be scared of older men, you know. So, yeah, like yeah, it's crazy to say that I actually did play Sunday League and, and now I'm here. <laughs> you,
1: can see it. you can see it in your game. Absolutely. Listen, Ricky, let me ask you something. Is your dad OK. With you playing for the U.S., I know he wanted you to represent Mexico, but he obviously respects your call. Nah, yeah,
2: he's, he, 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 as long as I'm enjoying it and he's watching me, enjoying it, because my dad obviously knows me and knows if I'm enjoying it or not, and he, he sees that I, every time I go on the field with the national team so far, he knows that I'm I'm there to, you know, be there as a family and, you know, like to have fun, and that's the most important is to be there as a family. Like, if. feel welcome then you're gonna stay with them forever so yeah my dad is obviously happy that i'm happy so he's fine he'll be fine
1: (laughs) i feel you richie but i'm just thinking back when i was a kid and if i chose uh because i also grew up in england if i chose england over peru i feel like my dad might disown me right (laughs) what happens when mexico plays the u.s he wants you to score a goal get an assist but Mexico to win or what or...
2: <laughs> He does go for Mexico a lot, like at the time, it's like which is which is normal. I, I can't I can't do anything about it, but yeah, my dad is my dad is crazy, so <laughs> Hey,
1: he's a Hispanic dad, trust yeah, me. Yeah, Latino
2: dad, yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Listen, Richie, there's a lot of excitement about American talent in Europe right now. Right, a lot. You, of course, this past weekend, Weston McKenney scoring for Juventus, Pulisic for Chelsea, Reina for Dortmund. Uh, there's a great trajectory, a great uh, growth in U.S. young talent in Europe. How do you feel about it as the team looks ahead to 2021?
2: I'm, I'm excited, man. Uh, yeah, the, the camp that Greg Berhalter called in the European thing, whatever, it was yeah. incredible. I couldn't believe it because just so many youth and so many talent, but we were so mature, like we were so like we all like we're family already. Like the first day we met, all of us like, hey, what's up? Like, how are you? And it's and it's crazy, man, because I think our 2026 World Cup. I know it's a long time, but I think we could we could win it. And I mean that with all respect to all the other teams and all that, but we really have a bright future and. If we keep going, and I know there's more coming up the the ranks, uh, we're going to be something special. And everyone is doubting us now, and, you know, that's fine. But we're going to be a surprise to everyone. So I'm excited.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I think this is a team to watch, absolutely. Final question, Richie. PSV, you're in the Champions League final, right, a few years from now. Maybe uh, you're with the U.S. in the World Cup final. Which one is it?
2: World Cup, come on. the final?
1: We'll we'll just tweet that through through the US side, not PSV side. (laughs) Richie Ledesma, PSV star, United States men's national team star. So happy to see somebody like you grow, develop, and just get better and better. The best of luck to you, hermano. All the best. Gracias, hermano. Thank you, eh? Welcome back, everybody, to Kegolasso. Lasso. I hope you enjoyed that interview I just had with Richie Ledesma uh, from PSV and United States Men's National Team. And now we have another legend. From one legend to another one, uh, he is a freelance writer. You can see all his work from ESPN FC, The Athletic, 442, MLS, Vice. He's also a co-host in the Mexican Soccer Show. Uh, a tremendous tremendous uh, brain and talent when it comes to Mexican soccer specifically. And he's here to talk to us about Liga MX Apertura Finals. Cesar Hernandez, my brother, how are you? Doing well. Excited to talk about the Liga MX Finals. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so happy to have you. Um, Let's let's kick right off, uh, Cesar. This has been Uh, A pretty entertaining Liguilla with Liga MX and the Apertura. Why don't you just, uh, before we talk specifically about the final itself, how these two teams got it there. Club Leon, we know that they were the favorites heading into the postseason uh, against Pumas uh, with a tremendous semifinal uh, heading into this one. Set the scene for us, brother.
3: I mean, I feel like we got to talk about Pumas first there because we we, we all assume that they wouldn't. Be in in the final after the first leg in the semi against Crucesul. You saw that Crucesul had a four nothing lead. Uh, I think uh, heading into the second leg, I believe it was five thirty eight. They gave Crucesul a ninety nine percent chance of qualifying for the final. And I, I even I did the math. You know, basically the Pumas needed at the minimum four goals in the second leg of the semis to qualify for the final. So we all were prepping for a Crucesul versus likely Leon final but that's not what happened it was I I know there it's it's not out of the ordinary to see some shocking things in Mexican soccer and just in soccer in general we've seen some incredible things in MLS playoffs as well but in in the Champions League it's just it's just you're accustomed to that but it was absolutely amazing to see Boomas get four goals against Cruz Azul and it's and it, it, it's amazing too, because uh, the funny thing is in, in the Mexican soccer world, the less of the talk is about Bumas and it's more about Cruz Azul just being cursed. You know, that, cause you know, you do at this point believe that Cruz Azul might actually be cursed because of all the late goals and equalizers that they've allowed in big matches. I mean, they're a big team, but they haven't won a title since 97. They've made it to six finals since then. I mean, we can, we could could have an episode just about Cruises Old themselves. I guess start talking about, you know, it was a non-sanctioned event by the club. It was, the club didn't do this, but, you know, I I think it was, I wrote about this in 2017, like a witch literally showed up to club headquarters with like animal heads and liquors and herbs. And was just like, all right, I'm going to cleanse this place. We're going to figure this out. (laughs) But, but back to Pumas, they got the four goals. It was incredible to see, uh, what they did, uh, in, in that second leg. I mean, it, Juan Pablo Vigon, I mean, he had a, he scored the the fourth goal that got, uh, them the spot in the final. I mean, he literally had a bandage around his head, you know, so you could see, it was almost like physical evidence of how hard Bumas had to work to get into the final. And with, uh, with, with, with Leon, uh, it's, you know, you, you, you kind of expect them to, or you did expect them to, to have a little bit of an easier run uh, in the playoffs. He, even though they were the number one seed, you know, they had a surprisingly difficult time against Puebla. You could say they also had a surprisingly difficult time against Chivas. They got a little close, but at, at the same time, they've been getting the job done. And honestly, Le- Leon, I mean, when they really, really step up, they play some of the most exciting, high-pressing, attacking soccer in, in Liga MX. So that's what you have there at Puma side, which, you know, which had an incredible comeback in the semifinals and Leon arguably the the best team in Mexico, but they've things have been a bit closer than expected in, in their path to the final.
1: And anything obviously can happen uh, when you talk about a final, especially as those who don't know a two-legged final, uh, which really needs to be remembered because just to, just to clarify here says that for all our listeners in case they're not familiar with Liga MX, you know, Pumas, obviously with that tremendous comeback, but you know the reason why they won that also is because they made the differentiator based on their correct. head-to-head in the regular season, right? So there was no need for going to penalties or anything like that.
3: Correct. Correct. Yes, yeah, so that's a that's definitely a good thing to bring up. Uh, which works in the the quarterfinals of the semis, but the final there there is no away uh, away goals rule. It's just if if it's tied after the you know, after the second leg, it goes to extra time and then PKs. But yes, in the uh, in the quarterfinals and the semis, the way it works in Liga Mekis is that uh, the first tiebreaker is away goals, and the second tiebreaker uh, is is higher seeding. So because Pumas had uh, a higher seeding over Cruz Azul, that's why even though it was four to four, in each you know, and e- e- after I mean it's just, it's still incredible. I'm still laughing just saying four to four. But uh, even though it was four to four overall, uh, obviously away goals were equal, therefore went to higher seeding, and that's why I went to Pumas.
1: So, you know, I love Liga Mekis because it's so like once you when you think you've got all the rules, then you got to remember, oh, yeah, there's the, also that situation, which actually <laughs> I don't hate. I feel like the championship in England should probably incorporate that when they get into their uh, playoff finals, you know, based on the standings and the seedings. Uh, listen, let me ask you something. Um, yeah, yeah. So now we have. The Apertura final. It's a two-legged situation. The first mm-hmm. one, uh, is Pumas uh, will be the home team. It's tomorrow, ten p.m. Eastern. Uh, the second leg will be on Sunday, uh, nine thirty Eastern. That's Leon you you set the scene, basically. Leon, you know, obviously the favorites heading into the postseason, they struggled a little bit into the playoffs. Pumas really pretty much nobody expected to get this far. How do you see this translating itself in the final? Uh, it, will this continue to be a rough journey for Leon if they really want to win the whole thing?
3: I mean, I, th- I think what we're going to see is, and, and you typically see this in most Liga Menkees finals, is that the first leg, it's, it's it tends to be a little bit more chess like you know, it's, teams aren't exactly taking chances, you know, teams are kind of testing the waters, and I think we'll be seeing that in the first, like, especially with, uh, with Pumas, who, during the regular season, they collected more draws than any other team in Liga Mequis, you know, and I think a lot of that also has to do with their goalkeeper, Alfredo Talavera, who was recently injured, but he uh, seems like, according to reports, he should be uh, fully fit and ready uh, for this week's uh, championship games, but, I mean, he's been tremendous in goal, and I'm sure he's going to make things uh, pretty difficult for, for Leon. But Leon, I mean, at the same time, too, I think they'll really start to step up uh, at home this weekend. Uh, I think, uh, I, as we saw in, their, in the semifinal series against, uh, against Chivas, they, even though a lot of us associate with that you know, high-pressing, attack-minded soccer, at the same time, when they need to defend... They do extremely well. They're they're a very very well rounded teams. So I think that they're not going to take too many chances in this first leg. I think Pumas, you know, they'll also keep things fairly organized and pragmatic. I guess you can say it probably in a four four two. So I think the first leg will be, I, th- I think, a tense would probably be a good way of putting it. I expect the first leg to be tense, and I think if we're going to sp- uh, see any fireworks, it'll probably be uh, in the second leg uh, when when Leon hosts uh, the second uh, the second leg at home, but but who knows it's Liga of you know, <laughs> if, if, if you would have had me here, uh, you know, previewing the second legs, I'd be like, well, we know Crucis are through. So, you know, we don't have to talk about Pumas let's move on to Chivas versus Leo. So here's the thing. It, it's, you can't, you can't predict these things. So we could easily have some fireworks. And as I've, as I've always said about league of you just got to predict the unpredictable with this league. So I'm saying all this, I'm saying like, you know, I, 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 I can't, tell you how much time I've been spending just like analyzing and looking at all these things but uh, no matter what I say we can still have some surprising things happening and I I anticipate we'll see some surprises
1: (laughs) yeah and that's the beautiful thing about Mexican football I think that it's just yeah and analyze as much as you want but it goes out the window uh let's talk about key players uh talk to me about some key players from Leon's side and then moving on into Pumas because some of our listeners will uh be familiar with a few names that you mentioned right now.
3: Yeah, no. Well, with, with Leon, I mean, you gotta, you gotta talk about Luis Montes. Just, just the heartbeat uh, 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 of that team. The just an absolute engine, you know. And it's and it's a player, and, and uh, who I think a lot of us is describing as just like, you know, aging like wine. You know, <laughs> he's he's in his mid thirties now. I think a lot of people anticipated that you know, this would be the twilight of his career. You know, maybe you know he'll he'll move on to a different team. Maybe he'll be a sub at a different squad. But no, he's at the very peak of his abilities right now. And he is an absolute engine with his distribution, his energy, his ability to take shots from distance. So obviously Luis, Mion, uh, Luis Montes, I said, I said Luis Mio, But uh, we also have uh, Angel Mena, uh, who is very, very dangerous uh, on the as a right midfielder. You know, somewhat more of a, I guess you could say kind of a winger. Uh, definitely one of the goal scorers for Leona. You got to talk about Fernando Navarro, uh, who's incredible with his flexibility as a defender, as a midfielder. You know, he'll typically start games as a right back, but then if Lyon are really pressing, if they really needed to, to get a goal, you'll be seeing him like frequently in the 18-yard box. You know, which really makes things difficult for teams when you have this right back playing as essentially an attacking midfielder. Uh, but I mean, I mean, Leon, they don't have. Uh, a lot of superstars i'll say but it's just a very very cohesive unit you know you, you can mention someone like pedro aquino too who
1: we have to he, talk he, about pedro aquino i know mean,
3: i was gonna say i was like oh if i'm talking to the least i guess i gotta i guess i gotta talk about pedro aquino you know <laughs> no but he is but he i mean he, he's he's a rock in that midfield i mean just he's just aggressive he's he's great with his with the short passing too it's not out of the ordinary uh, to see him uh, be the leading uh, distributor for Leon, so that's definitely to, someone to keep an eye on. Obviously, someone that Luis is going to keep an eye on right there. But for <laughs> but, uh, but for, <laughs> but for, for Pumas, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 their two figures up top. You know, you know, Carlos Gonzalez, Juan Di Neno, uh When they're at their best, I mean, it's it's you could say they're the best attacking duo in Liga MX. Uh, they. I'm not going to say that they've been at their best in, in, in recent weeks. Uh, I mean, obviously we, we can talk about the, the four, nothing was an anomaly, but let's just throw that out the window. Uh, but I mean, but they're, 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 inc- they're incredible, you know, with, with that do I, that. And I think that, you know, if, if one of them, you know, decides to step up, even just, I don't know, just has opportunity to, that could really be the difference in this series, you know, just cause they are quality, quality strikers. And then, you got to talk about Alfredo, uh, Alfredo Talavera for, for for Pumas, just because I do genuinely believe that if it wasn't for him, Pumas wouldn't potentially even be, I'm not going to say they wouldn't be in the playoffs, but, you know, they, they wouldn't be at the spot that they're at right now. Let's just say that. If if, if I'm going to say that Luis Montes has been the best player in the League of Yankees this season, I would say number two easily is Talavera, you know, and that's another example of a player that we thought, you know, might not be at their peak anymore. They might be, you know, grew, I don't know, you know, heading potentially even towards uh, retirement, but he's been absolutely amazing. And I, and I imagine, you know, now that he's back to full fitness that he's going to have a big impact uh, this week.
1: Yeah. And another player to mention, just, uh, just cause I want to is uh, yeah, go for Joel Campbell right? Yeah, Joel Campbell, a, yeah. Costa Rican star, also former Arsenal uh, player as well. How's his season been? You know, well, the thing with
3: Joel Campbell is that he's never been a, you know, a guaranteed starter uh, for Leon. but here's the thing. I'm glad you brought him up because I would say he was arguably one of the best players uh, in the semifinal series between Leon or Chivas, and I think he could potentially even say he was the best player. You know, and for Chivas, they had such a difficult time Marking him with his, especially with his dribbling, you know, like they, they had such a tough time trying to, you know, halt his efforts. So I think that if he does get the start, or even if he, you know, steps off, you know, off the bench, that's going to be such a headache for, for Pumas to deal with. And with Pumas, I mean, I want to say that their back line is it's solid. They're, they're doing well. They have a lot of like excited young talent, but I mean, you just can't ignore that four nothing loss in the semifinal series against Cruce stool. So I, I think that they I mean, maybe they're not going to do it uh, in the first leg, but potentially the second leg, and maybe that's when you start Joel Campbell. I mean, I would start him both legs, but maybe if you really want to have him, you know, have a huge impact, I mean, just press Pumas's back line. And I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to get four goals like uh Cruz soul did in that weird, weird match, but You know, that that is something to keep an eye on as well because Pumas' back line isn't perfect.
1: Yeah, and I think the key here is that Leon is hosting the second leg. And I feel like sometimes that, depending on what the result happens in the first, it can serve as a motivating tool. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, so good to see. Listen, before you go, I I want... Very quickly, your views on something. Uh, much of the conversation, obviously, uh, this season, uh, definitely in Que Golasso, and obviously because of all my colleagues and my partners in crime, has been on just the hype that surrounds the, the United States men's national team. Christian Pulisic, of course, Gio Reina, Weston McKinney with that Golasso, he scored uh, against Barcelona. But I always like to remind everybody that you still need to do the number one thing, and that's dethrone. Tata Martino's Mexico because they're still the biggest team in CONCACAF and uh, Tata Martino with Mexico has created a tremendous route so far not just that but just obviously everything that he did with Atlanta United and before that but now what he's doing with Mexico and I always remind people listen Mexico is the team to beat how do you see El Tri as they end 2020 and look ahead to 2021?
3: I mean right now there's also I'm not I'm not going to say that it's that the potential is as exciting as the U.S. men's national team, because even Mexico fans are recognizing that. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's a, a big, big, you know, generation of talent, you know, coming through for the U S men's national team. I don't, I don't think anybody could deny that, but at the moment, you know, that that's not to say that, you know, the Mexican national team doesn't have, you know, potential either. They, the Mexican national team also has a, an interesting group of up and coming young players. And I think that that's going to be, that that'll be interesting in, you know, it at the end of the year, what that does thinking, because 2021 is going to be a big year. You're going to have Olympic qualify. You're going to have World Cup qualify. You're going to have the, you know, the gold cup, you know, you forget about the nation's league as well. You know that there, you're going to have to find <laughs> right. room to, to squeeze that in as well. So I, I, I think right now it's, it's, it's going to be a balancing act for thought that, because I think that yes, you know, although the U S men's national team has an exciting crop of players, you know, there are a lot of young up and comers, uh for, for Mexico that you know you do wonder if they're ready for senior national team minutes you do wonder if they'll be ready even just for the Olympic side so I think at the moment I mean if I'm if I'm looking at the just at the landscape of Mexican soccer and if I'm looking at what's happening in, in the U.S. men's national team I think at the moment Mexico is the better side right now. I mean, that there's no doubt about that. You know, I, I think if, if Mexico had their best 11 versus the U.S.'s best 11, I, I'm still confident that, that Mexico would get the win a year, two years from now, three years from now, who knows, you know, uh, if, you know, if, if you do have a the, the McKenney's, if you do have the Pulisic's, if you do have, you know, the desk, the sergeant, I mean, I mean, there's, there's a lot of young, young, exciting talent. left they full like follow through with what they're supposed to be doing and, keep progressing at the level that they are then yeah i mean i, I they could potentially exceed uh, what mexico is doing but but yeah like you said don't don't overlook El 3 you know a big reason why a lot of those players aren't playing in europe is because the sad reality is that uh, those players tend to be a little let's just say overpriced in the mexican market because Liga of teams have a lot of money that means that they'll be willing to spend more than European teams for those players. So what that means is that you'll have a lot of exciting young talent in Mexico, not make the leap abroad. You know, they stay in Liga MX as opposed to signing for a Dortmund, as opposed to signing for, I mean, I, I mean, there's, there's a long list of European names out there that we can list, but just like, as opposed to doing that, they sign for a Monterey, they sign for Tigas, they, you know, Mexican, a young, exciting Mexican talent will, will sign for Chivas, you know, so... That's just uh, the reality of the Mexican, you know, soccer market at, at the moment. You know, and what happens is, if if, if you really want an exciting young Mexican talent to make the leap abroad, what ends up ha- happening is that you either need a team to accept that they're not going to get as much money as they want, or you'll have European teams being willing to spend big money on these on um, these Mexican players. So I, I, I'm still I'm still pretty excited about what the Mexican national team has to offer. I'm not going to say that their generational talent is, is the same as, as what U.S. is providing. But like I said, at the moment, I still think that there's no doubt in my mind that Mexican soccer, or I should say the, uh, the Mexican national team, uh, is still a little bit better than what the U.S. has to provide.
1: Absolutely. I mean, take a Tito Corona, Raul Jimenez, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lozano is just too yeah. good to mention. Cesar yeah. Hernandez, so great to have you. Thank you so much. Uh, remember, everybody, that you can follow him on Cesar H Football on Twitter. A lot of great content, including Liga MX Apertura Final, which begins on Thursday night. Cesar, hermano, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Cool. Thanks for having me.
1: Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad, Richie Ledesma, Nicholas Joachini, Jonathan Johnson, Cesar Hernandez for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Que Golaso Pod on Twitter. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher, and we will see you very soon. Have a great day.